Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. I woke up with, uh, wasn't an anger. I don't know how to describe it. It was kind of an anger, kind of a frustration uh, about sick people that we've been praying for and haven't seen the healing manifested that we've been believing for. And it was stirring in me. It's like it was bugging me. I feel like God God is stirring something in me. I, I maybe, you know, I, I don't know, sometimes I say things and whether they come to pass or not, I'm not trying to be prophetic. But I don't know, I feel like God's stirring something. At least he's stirring something in me. Because there's people we need to see healed. We've lost too many people. And there's people that are that need a touch from God right now. And so I'm praying and I'm asking all of us to pray, but <clears throat> it's kind of what spawned this message tonight. You know, one of the things we discover when we study the scriptures is that God has provided for us a total salvation. Spirit, soul, and body. It's not, just, it's not just the forgiveness of our sin. That's wonderful. And, and without that, we couldn't go to heaven. But I'm, God has provided a, a total salvation, spiritually. Forgiveness of sin and the new birth. You know, that we've been made new creatures, new creations. And we've been, we've been made partakers of the divine nature. Uh, where God, by his, by his spirit, comes to, comes to dwell within us. And our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. That, that's a, that blows me out of, the, out of the water. So spiritually, we've been redeemed. Soulishly, or mentally, emotionally, God has freed us and delivered us from mental and torment, mental torment and oppression. From emotional and psychological conditions that cripple so many people. Fear, depression, suicidal thoughts, you know, panic attacks, anger and rage, or whatever. And physically, healing for our bodies. But not everyone receives all that God has provided for us through the blood of Jesus. Help me out. Not everyone, not everyone is, is walking in the whole package. And to me, I believe primarily it's because the, we live on a planet which is controlled for the most part by Satan, who's the, who Jesus called the God of this world, who the Bible calls the God of this world, and demonic forces that are working continually to, to, to hinder us, to oppose us, to receiving what God has for us. You know, First Peter warns us, he says... Be vigilant, be on the alert. Why? Because 
You're, because we have an enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And I was thinking, even, even the Apostle Paul was not exempt. He, listen, listen, he wrote, this, he wrote this to the Thessalonians. He said, for we, this means his whole team, for we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, but Satan hindered us. So Paul wanted to go somewhere, but, but he, was, he was kept from going by demonic forces. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't finally get some victory. He did, but there was some, there was some resistance. And he, listen, he wrote this to the Romans. I have often planned to come to you and have been prevented so far. So Paul didn't always get to do what he wanted to do. We know from Daniel chapter 10, we know we read in Daniel chapter 10 that, that, that there were spiritual forces in the heavenlies that kept the, the answer to coming to Daniel for 21 days. And sometimes, circumstances beyond our control can hinder us. You know, I think, I think of Joshua and Caleb. They had to, I mean, they, they, were, they wanted to go into the promise. They wanted to believe God. But they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years like everybody else because of everybody else's disobedience and unbelief. So they had to pay the penalty of somebody else's disbelief. But there may be other hindrances to God's provision that, that we can do something about. And that's what I want to talk about tonight for just a little bit. Things that are more within our um, scope of control, you might say, more that we can have some effect on. Things that we can change in our own lives so the blessings of God could be more readily available or easier to flow. So that's how I want to look at some things tonight. Not, 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 not a total list, not a complete list, but some of the potential hindrances to our receiving all the blessings that God wants for us. Spiritually, Souls mentally, emotionally, and physically. Healing, provision, deliverance, wisdom, and direction. Everything, everything. God, you know, God has God has wonderful blessings for us. But there are some things in our lives that can hinder, that can kind of keep them from flowing. Number one, and I, this, I I didn't put these in the order of importance, but this might be the most important. Ignorance. Ignorance of God's word and God's will. You know, I believe, I believe this is true for a multitude of professing Christians. They have no real knowledge of God's word, of what Jesus accomplished through the sacrifice on the cross. No knowledge of his will concerning health and emotional wellness. And they just don't know. I mean, how many people, and maybe not in this church because you have a great pastor and he's a wonderful teacher. But how many, for how many years did we sit in church and all we ever got was what? The few scriptures that were read from the pulpit. We never read the Bibles ourselves. And how many Christians just come to church, really, and receive, even, even in churches that teach the Word, but they don't, they're not really into the Word themselves. They just kind of get something on Sunday, and that's basically it. They're never feeding themselves. 
And because of that, we end up, really, we end up very, very weak spiritually and ignorant of God's word and God's will. I mean, we, we can pick up something from Sunday, but we don't remember what was preached on Sunday. Most of the time, I can't remember what's preached on Sunday. That's why I get the tapes, uh, the tapes, the CDs. I see, my, I'm still back in the cassette days. But Hosea, Hosea chapter six says, "My people, my Hosea four six says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Only faith believes God. Only faith pleases God." And by faith, you receive all the blessings of God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I, would, I wouldn't take a poll, but I'll, I'll bet you there's a lot of Christians sitting in churches on, that have never read through their Bible. And they've been Christians for years. And they've never, they've never read the Bible from cover to cover. I don't care if it takes five years. You ought to do it at least once. I mean, there's good stuff in there. It really is. I mean, I read, I read my Bible because, well, I first of all, I feel like I have to. I want to. I want to. But, I, you know, I feel like I leak. I read stuff that's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember reading that last year or whatever. You know, there it is. There it is again. Oh, yeah, praise God. But the more you put the word in, the stronger you become spiritually. You know, what did... What did it says in the Bible that we're supposed to long for Peter. Said we're supposed to long for the sincere milk of the word that by it we may grow with respect to our salvation, respect to God. The word of God will cause us to grow and become strong. Ignorance is a major, a major hindrance. How many times we've, we've prayed with people for for physical healing, say, for example. We say, come on, we're going to believe God. And they say, oh yeah, pastor, I'm believing, I'm believing God. I said, praise God. What scripture are you standing on? I'm just believing God. Well, has God given you a scripture? God given you a word to stand on? No, pastor, I'm just really believing God. Well, I feel, I feel, I, sometimes I say, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to bash your faith, but you can't believe God. You can't believe God and not have a word while well, I'm just believing well faith comes by hearing hearing by the word so ignorance so that's a, we got to don't ever be ignorant of the word of God doesn't mean you have to be able to teach it but just get in it just put it in you I tell you it'll make all the difference in your life number two unbelief even when we know what God has said Let me look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. I'll begin reading in verse 16. Listen, for who provoked him when they heard? Talking about the children of Israel. When... They were ready to go into the promised land the first time and they wouldn't believe God. For who provoked them when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Yeah, that was them. And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? 
And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter into the promised land, into the, into the promises of God, into his provision. They were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Now, they heard the word. They just wouldn't believe it. They had a word from God. They just wouldn't believe it. Therefore, let us fear. Lest while having a promise, well, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we've had the good news preached to us just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard. In other words, they had a word from God, but they wouldn't believe it. And that kept them from coming into the promises of God. So even... Even though we've we've heard the word, you can still it doesn't mean you still have to believe it doesn't mean you believe it. In Mark chapter six it said Jesus in his own hometown could do new mighty works because of his unbelief, because of their unbelief. And I feel sometimes I feel like I want to be like the father. Remember the father of the epileptic boy, the, the one that was having seizures? You know he said Lord, I do believe. Lord, help my unbelief. You know, that's, I think that's, that could be a good prayer. God, help my unbelief. I don't want to be an unbeliever. I want to be a believer. Help my unbelief, God. Show me the way. So ignorance of God's word. Unbelief. Not believing the word, even though we've heard it. I'll tell you this. Oh, I don't want to get into that. I was thinking raising kids. You know, sometimes, even today, I'm just going to get on my soapbox a little bit. Even today, you try to talk to some people about the fact that God says we're supposed to spank our kids. And it's, oh, no, 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 can't, can't do that, can't do that. The psychologists say the word, you know, I don't care what the psychologists say, they're all goofed up anyway. We had a hard time with that when we, when we, when we first came to God. I mean, our kids were spoiled rotten. We wouldn't spank them. And when we, when we finally got the... Someone gave us... Was it Chuck Sturgeon? Or Dr. Ken... Someone gave us some tapes by a, a Dr. Ken Stewart from Rama, And then we also got a book by, by Chuck Sturgeon on raising kids. I mean, this guy, Chuck Sturgeon, he spanked his kids when they were in high school. Get ready. And when we, when we first heard those tapes, it's like, oh, no, you can't do it. But we found out that loving, not, not abuse, loving discipline changes kids. So we had the word, but we had a hard time believing it. And anyway, praise God. I don't know why I threw that in just for scare the kids that are here. Hallelujah. Number three. Third thing that can hinder us, unconfessed sin. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. We cannot expect to receive from God if we have unrepentant sin or if we're excusing sin or if we're ignoring sin. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you got upset and you lost your temper a little bit or something. I'm talking about something continuous in your life. A, a known wrong motive or living something wrong that you know is wrong and you're still doing it. I tell you, it'll open the door for the enemy. 
Look what it says in James chapter 5. Talking about physical healing. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. See, a lot of times we stop before that. Lay, put some oil on him, lay hands on him, pray. The Lord will raise him up. Then it says this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. To me, the implication is that sin has somehow opened the door for that person to get sick. That doesn't mean that every time he gets sick, you sin. See, the enemy, he loves to bash us around. We've talked to people who say, well, I've been praying and <clears throat> my healing's not manifested. I've been praying and I must have some sin in my life. I said, what is the sin that you know you've committed? He said, I don't know. Then, you know, if you don't know what it is, don't try to stir, don't try to make something up. But if there is sin in your life, if someone does have sin in their life, it, it will hinder them. Jesus at the pool of Bethesda, when he healed, when he healed, when he healed that man at the pool of Bethesda, the last thing he said to us, the last thing he said to him was, "Go and sin no more, that a worse thing might not come upon you," implying that somehow a sinful lifestyle or a sinful act opened the door for the enemy. So it's not that every time we get sick it means we've done something wrong, but doing something wrong can open the door to the enemy. God doesn't find out about our sins when we confess it anyway. He knows it was there all the time. You know, some people, I don't know. We get goofy ideas with God. Some people think, well, if I just don't tell God about it, he'll never know, you know. Really? <laughs> What's the answer? Well, we all know. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now here's another biggie. Unforgiveness or resentment. Some people carry bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness toward a spouse or an ex-spouse or a, somebody that abused them mentally or physically. And we've even prayed for people that are still have unforgiveness toward someone who passed away. They may have been gone, they may have been, they may have been dead for years, but they're still mad at them. I tell you, that'll, that'll hinder you. It's a major hindrance to receiving from God. Mark. No, not you. <laughs> the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 11. When Peter was reminded that the fig tree that Jesus had cursed had withered. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then it says this, Therefore I say to you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive and you'll be grant and they'll be granted to you. And then he finishes by saying this, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. 
so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. And that's the second time Jesus taught that. The first time he taught it was at the end of the Lord's Prayer. One of the things we were taught to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Right? And forgive us our trespasses. How? As we forgive those. In the same way that we forgive those who trespass against us. And then it says this at the end of that prayer in Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Holding on resentment, holding on forgiveness and resentment against somebody, it's like it just shuts the door. And people say, but, but, but if I forgive, it's like, it's like letting them off the hook. It's like they're getting away with it. No, they're not getting away with it. Our unforgiveness is not hurting us. It's not hurting them. It's hurting us. You know, it's like taking poison and expecting them to get sick. When you forgive, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. If we expect to be forgiven, we must forgive. We have to forgive. But I, people say, but I can't. I, I can't forgive. Yeah, you can. You don't, want, you don't feel like it. You don't want to, but you can. Why? Because forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. And that's a key. Even if you don't feel like it, you just say, Father, in Jesus' name, I forgive that person for what they've done or whatever. I forgive them in Jesus' name. And your mind says, no, you don't. You say, yes, I do in Jesus' name. And I tell you, if you will do that in faith, the feelings will come. If we're going to receive blessings that God has for us, we must first remove any barrier of unforgiveness or resentment. I want to finish with a few more, but I'm just going to go quickly. Being involved in anything of the occult will hinder receiving from God. Fortune telling, psychics, uh, Ouija boards, tarot cards, all kinds of stuff. Yoga, transcendental meditations, horoscopes. <clears throat> Don't read the horoscopes. Just thought, well, I just do it to say, no, don't do it. The that You have to understand, the devil is a legalist. You open, you open the door, he's going to come in. Well, I just opened it a little to say, no, he's going to come in. I, will, I won't even look at it. You know what? When I go to a Chinese restaurant and they got the... the the Chinese New Year, the the pig. You ever notice, I mean, they got the pigs and donkeys and, you know what I do? I flip the mat over so I can color. Now, I won't look at it. I don't want it. I don't, I don't, want, to just, I don't even want to put it in my mind. You ask sometimes, well, did you ever go to a psychic? Did you ever, do a, did you ever have a seance with someone just out of, oh, we just did it out of fun. Well, you did it for fun, but you need to renounce that thing and you need to break it, break any power that it has over you. God has an intense hatred 
of us fooling around with darkness. You can't fool around with darkness and not get bit. False covenants and secret societies. Principally, when I think of that, I think of Freemasonry. I don't know if Freemasonry is, is, is a, as a ingrained or as popular as it was a few generations ago, but it seemed like you know, there used to be Masonic temples every place. I mean, there was one in Rome, it's not, but there was one in Lee Center, there was one, I mean, Stuben, Remsen, or you name it, there was a Masonic temple, every, every Ava, every, every little town had a Masonic temple. But Freemasonry is a religious system. You know who wrote a little book, I mean, a, a scathing denunciation of Freemasonry? Charles Finney. You can't get one. I don't know who's got one. I, I, I read, someone gave me a copy. I had to give it back to him. It was just, it was only about, it was a small little book, about three inches by three inches. Had about 30 pages in it, but boy, I tell you, <laughs> Don't even talk about Freemasonry to Charles Finney. He would, he'd come apart. But it's occult. It's part of the occult. So if if anybody in your family was involved with that, break it. Break. I break the effect of that in my life. Break that curse. If you got if you got a Masonic Bible, burn it. Get rid of it. I wouldn't even look at it. And finally, generational curses. I want to look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. It's the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above the earth or beneath or what is in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them for I am the Lord, for I the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. It's amazing to me, but something that my grandfather was into could still be affecting me and my family. Something that my grandfather, some sin that he committed, opened the door for the enemy. And that can stay in the family for three and four generations. Things like what? And this is like chronic things. Alcoholism. You, ever, you know, some families have just, there's generation after generation after generation. Alcoholism. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. My brothers are alcoholics, whatever. It, it, it can be a curse. It can be something that came in. When, when the first one that welcomed or, or, in, or got into alcoholism, it, caught, it allowed that spirit to get in, and that's going to continue. Even, even, even if it, some of the family becomes Christians, that can still affect them. It can still be pulling on them. They may not surrender to it, but it can still be pulling on them. Chronic diseases, cancers. Some families, people, people, you know, my grandfather died, my grandmother died young of cancer, my mother died young of cancer, and I'll, I'll, someone said, well, I'll probably die young. No, don't say that, for one, but it might be a curse on your family. So they, something was a, allowed to come in, and it's, and it's stayed in the family for two, three, four generations. 
suicide, unnatural deaths, things like that, financial lack. Some families just can never get out of financial lack. It might be a curse. You can just break that in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break any curse that's over my family and, 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 and something that you recognize might be affecting your family. I break that curse in Jesus' name. I break it. I close the door where that, where that came in and I, and I close it forever and I, and I bind the effects of that thing in the name of Jesus. It will not influence us. It will not hinder us. It will not prevent us from receiving from God. I bind it and I break its power over us in Jesus' name. And you, need, you, have, you have to do stuff. You can't just ignore it and say, well, that was back then. I don't know. Resist the devil. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.